0: It's nice to see you all. It's nice to meet on an evening. Makes a change. Meeting on an evening. We want to say hello to everybody that's watching as well in different parts of the world. Just wave, they can't see you, but say hello. There's lots of people watching, so thank you for being with us. Uh, This is something that, um, well... It's self-explanatory, so go ahead, Matt. I had a dream, which I believe was not only a word from God, but it was a a vision, um, a word drawn from Scripture, but also a series of pictures which... I would like to share with you right now. First of all I saw a very steep and high mountain upon which was fixed what looked like ladder steps. Each step was close to the other and went up at a very steep angle. As well as going up they went around and it was steep and narrow and not easy to climb, perhaps dangerous. It reminded me of the saying of Jesus, which comes from Matthew 7 and verse 14. And it says there, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. In another version it says, the way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. The first part of this vision, I believe, was about a learning curve which the church, all of us, were about to participate in. The second part of this dream was at the top of the mountain there was a lamp that uh, seemed to be hanging from heaven and it was not hugely bright but it was lit and I could see it clearly. And as I thought about this lamp, I thought about the verses in 1 Samuel, chapter three and verse one to three. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim, that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. In this particular reading, the lamp of God was going out, but actually in the tabernacle the lamp was never to go out, it was to be lit continually. As I saw that lamp hanging from heaven, I could see that it was lit dimly, but it was lit. And my belief was that it was gonna get stronger. As I looked, I came through a door and there in front of me were executive buses. But I realized that I'd already been on a very difficult and challenging journey to get to this point. But now I was getting on an executive bus that was gonna be another journey. As I thought about it later, I realized that this experience, which was not normal for me, it was beyond normal. I'd gone into a different sphere, a different dimension of life, of living. But I realized that it came from death. It came from giving something up, from the cost of this journey and it was now into a new dimension of life and the the verse that came to my mind about this was from 2 corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 for we do not preach ourselves but christ jesus the lord and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake for it is the god who commanded light to shine out of darkness who was shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And he continues and verse 10 says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal fetch. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And this is what this journey felt like, that there was a cost, but life was coming the other side of it in new dimensions. The next picture that I had in this dream was of a large headquarters But then I found myself in a room and there was a circle of chairs around and there were many influential people from all over the world sat in those chairs. And I was privileged to be part of this group of people. I realized that this was a new sphere of influence and it felt as though I should have been there, but I felt to be different from everybody else, but able to be there and it was like a brainstorming session. And at some point during the course of this session, I was asked to share, and I did share, but I realized that some people were not listening. And at this point, the next picture I had was of me sat on people's knees and slapping them so that they might come to life because some were sleeping And some may even have died, but I was now slapping them to bring them round to life. And I was reminded of another verse. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And that of course is from Ephesians 5 and verse 14. Finally, there were two dreams that I have also had, one many years ago and one just recently that I felt were like a key to us in the time ahead. One was of, it was a World War I scene and it was thick mud and trenches and a, a barren landscape and many people who were either dead or dying or injured. But there were small groups of trained people going in and administering life to those who were dying or bringing the dead back out of the battlefield. And we were doing it all very covertly and without being seen as much as possible. That was a dream that I had many years ago. And a more recent dream was of groups of people who were praying, they were prophesying, they were proclaiming, and they were doing it rightly. It was the right thing to do but it was not having the effect that we believed it should be having. And until I actually laid down on the ground, first with a lady who was suffering terribly, um, and I laid down on the ground and put my arms around her and I wasn't speaking, I was loving her. And that must have carried on for half an hour. I felt vulnerable, I felt silly, I I felt that people were watching and judging, but after half an hour this lady got up and walked away healed, but I realised that the Lord was saying that the key to everything would be compassion, the compassion of God. that I had. Obviously, it was very difficult to actually put it in pictures, but I wanted to bring you into that dream because I believe that not only was it very powerful, but I've shared, I've shared from that dream a number of times on New Year's, on the transition to a new year. Um, and I, I'm not going to go into it too deeply, um, but there's five aspects of that vision And you, you might go, what's it got to do with me? Well, it's got everything to do with you. Everything to do with you. Because you're sat in this house. So this is a vision not only for me, but it's for you guys as well. It's for all of us. So it's got everything to do with you. And you have got a part to play in what is going to happen. And many of you are already playing a wonderful part. And can I just say, I just want to start by saying that you are doing fabulously well. Say it to someone, look at someone and say, I am doing fabulously well. On this journey, on this journey, you were doing wonderfully well. You are doing wonderfully well. And sometimes. Sometimes my, um, you know, I I get very, sometimes people say, oh, we've got to put the crash helmet on now, or we've got to. (laughs) But it's not, you have to understand that, that, that these things, I don't ask for these things. I don't ask for these visions. I don't ask for these words. I just actually get them delivered to me. And then I've got to do something with them. And of course, it is a little bit like the prophet said it, He said it it burns inside you. It it burns in your bones. It like gets a hold of you. And sometimes my humanness uh, maybe sometimes feels as though to you it's a little bit of a pressure. I don't want want it to be a pressure. I don't want you to feel pressure from me because I don't believe that God wants us to be pressured. He doesn't want us to try because the life of God's inside us He's already in you. So, so this is not what you can do. It's how you can give yourself to God so that he can do it through you. Do you understand me? He's the one that's doing it. But sometimes my passion and my eagerness and enthusiasm, uh, I, I realise um, I, I met Josh the other day and we, we were in the cafe and I, I, he was go- he'd listened to a word that I'd preached and he, he was suffering a little bit because he, he'd gone out with a weight rather than a, an ease, uh, which, of course, I agonised about afterwards. But I also prayed for him. Um, but it's not to be a weight, this. It's not to be a pressure. It's to be something that you go, OK, I need to give myself... I need to give myself into God so that God can give himself into me, if you want. And let him do the hard work, okay? But you're doing good. You're doing great. It's just that if we're really going to do what God wants us to do around the world, something, something incredible has got to happen in us because no one else is doing it as far as I can see and that's not a criticism it's just an observation you know we are the people of God and God lives in us and he wants to do incredible exploits through us that includes you little old you or little young you but it includes you amen look at someone and say I'm doing okay thus far well done Great. Well done. Okay, so the first aspect of the vision. The first aspect of this vision was a learning curve. It was a a very steep, and it was very steep. I'd never seen steps like this before in my life. It was very steep, and it was curved round, and it was going up. And again, it's the Holy Spirit who's, who's taking us to new dimensions, okay? So we've got to trust him. Because if you're like me, you probably don't like heights. I mean, I don't like heights. I I don't mind flying, but I don't like heights that I'm stood on, if you know what I mean. Um, So this was a learning curve, and it was a continual curve. So if some people went, well, that was last year. I'm sorry. It was last year, but it's this year as well. And it's next year, and it's the year after. Because we are to be learning. Every single one of us. There's There's no one in this room that cannot learn. Do you understand me? If you're not learning, you're losing. If you are learning, you're winning. Uh, You're gaining. Something's happening if you're learning. But to learn, you've got to observe. You've got to be humble. You've you've got to understand that you don't know everything. You've got to watch and you've got to listen carefully. And and, and perhaps you've got to ask questions and research things. But, But this is what learning is. That's what education is. It's all those elements. And, and this learning curve seemed to be very, very steep and going round and it was like continual and I just felt like the Lord was saying, this is, this is a steep learning curve that he's put us on, all of us, because there's much that we have to learn in order to do what he wants us to do, simple as that. So we can just say, yes Lord, I want to learn. I want to be a, lear- a learning person. You don't know everything. Look at someone next to you and say, I do not know everything. I am not the fountain. I am not the fountain of wisdom. <laughs> you know, the, the, you realize that even in eternity, even, even in heaven or whatever, heaven or the kingdom or whatever, even there, you won't know everything. There's never going to be a time when you will know everything. Which means that you will be learning all the time, does it not? So we, we better just take that humble place and go, we want to learn, Lord. Show us. There's people around you who can teach you wonderful and magnificent things. is You've just got to see them and go, thank you, Jesus. And don't, and don't go, well, it's only you, Jesus. Well, Jesus is in those people around you. So it is Jesus. You understand me? He's put people. You don't have to learn to, to cycle again. Just, just watch someone else. Um, so, learning is not just about knowledge. It's about life. Learning is about life. You know, the, the problem with the Western world is that we <laughs> learn for knowledge, but actually learning is to live life. And to be transformed in learning. Learning. That's the whole point of what Jesus did. You go, well, Jesus died for our sin. Well, yes, he did. Jesus took away all the problems. Jesus took away all the sin, the shame, the guilt, everything. But it wasn't only for that that Jesus died. Jesus died so that you might live and have a resurrection life. Now. Not just there, but now, here. If you are not being transformed, then the gospel, the good news, the very, very good news about Jesus he's not actually... Working in you the way that it should. What Jesus did is for transformation. Say that to someone. What Jesus did in my life is for transformation. 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 Not just for information, but transformation. So, the first thing was a learning curve. The second thing was the lamp. The lamp was dim, but. This is the thing about a light. I don't know if I ever told you about this. One time I was walking up from Bergen. We be were walking up from the city and it was dark outside. And of course Bergen's surrounded by seven mountains. But way, way high up in the mountain I could see one solitary light. And it was like moving about all the time. But I could see it everywhere. Do you understand me? There want a place where I didn't see the light. It was just one solitary light, and the closer that we got, we realized it was a, a guy up there who was climbing up the face of the rock, with a, and he had a, a, a light on his helmet, and every time that he looked around, we could see the light from the helmet and on the mountain. You see, some of us might go, well, we've got a dim light, and some might go, well, I've got a very bright light, but the thing is, you have got light. You you were the light of the world. You've got light. Light's on the inside of you already. Already shining. His glory. The knowledge of his glory is already shining in you. And you've got to let that light out. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Lay it out. Don't be ashamed of this light of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of his love. Don't be ashamed of the fact that he lives in you. You can't live without him. Don't be ashamed of him. Let him flow, let him loose, let his light go. A light on a hill, let your light shine. You are the light of the world. And it reminded me, as I said, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1 to 3, the word of the Lord was rare. It said that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And this is what I find. There's there's much inspiration, there's much motivation There's there's many great things that go on in the church, but the word of the Lord is rare. I mean it. The word of the Lord is rare. The whole point of us being with Jesus is that we have a personal relationship with him. That's the point. That's the point of what we do together. The point of everything is that we have a personal relationship with Jesus and that we hear him. He is speaking to you. To you personally. But if you're going to learn, you've got to be like Samuel. He had, he, he had to be a tentative to the Lord's voice. There's many voices out there. There's all the voices of the media. There's all the social media. There's voices everywhere. But you, like Samuel, and me, like Samuel, we have to become attentive to Jesus. That's not like it is in the world. We're talking about something different. The voice of Jesus, if you want to hear his voice, you've got to be quiet. You've got to listen. You don't know everything. You've got to seek him and search him out. This is not some automatic thing. People are dying because there is no word of the Lord. Well, there's lots of words. But once a word of the Lord is alive inside you, it can raise people up from the dead. That's all all you need. Just one word inside you. One living word inside you can raise people from the dead, literally. And not only literally, but spiritually, mentally. That's what the world's waiting for. But it says it was rare in these days. The lamp was being put out well we we know darkness is trying to overcome but it won't overcome it'll never overcome we've won we've just got to let this light shine and we've got we've got to understand where we are on this journey it's a journey isn't it we've got to understand where we are on it we're all on it you're on it somewhere somewhere on this journey that i outlined you're on it somewhere You might be at the bottom, or you might be halfway, you might be at the top, but you're on it. It says, the word of the Lord was rare, no widespread revelation. Eyes had begun to grow dim, so that they could not see, before the lamp of God went out. So it was a pretty dire, dire situation there. But that's not us. We're growing up. You're growing up. That's what it's about. This is not church as normal. Not church as normal. No more. It's finished. This is different. You're growing up. All of us together are growing up. It's a beautiful thing. Look at someone and say, I'm growing up. I'm growing up. Amen. You know, years ago, years ago, I dressed one of the, one of the tallest, biggest guys in the church in a diaper, and people still remember it to this day, we did it a couple of times, and he came carrying his Bible, and he had his suit on and all a lot, and, and then suddenly it was revealed that under all of that, he had a diaper, which was much like the church in general, we looked the part, but we're still kids, but, but I, haven't, I haven't heard him say to me that I had to dress anyone in a diaper. That must mean that we're growing up. Isn't that wonderful? We're all growing up. It's beautiful. It's going well. Praise God. It's wonderful. What did I say? Inspiration, motivation. Fantastic. But in the depth of it all, there must be life. Life. That's what this is about. It's life. You know, every time you get together, you have got a moment... To allow this life, do you understand me? In this secure place. In this place where you are loved. Where people around you love you and you're secure. In this place, you can reach out. You can go beyond where you've been before. And some of you need to. Some of you have got to get from inside yourself outside. You've got to come out. That's, that's an in word, isn't it? Yeah, you've got to come out. We've all got to come out. What's in us has got to come out of us. The life that's in us has got to come out. You know, why should everybody else have all the fun? We're all coming out. No, but it's beautiful. Just think about it. We need to allow this life to come out of us. You can step out. And, and, and you can go, you can look at someone and you go, I know that they need a hug. Now listen to me. Sometimes people just need loving. Do you understand me? They just need loving. They need someone to wrap their arms around them. Not in a stupid way, but in a right way, in a beautiful way. People, your brothers and sisters, go through all sorts of things that you never say, that I never say. but sometimes they just need a hug. They just need loving. They need someone to lay on the floor with them. And weep with them. You understand me? The key is compassion. But, but you've got to be willing. You understand me? The Holy Spirit inside you, he wants to do it. You, you know when you, see, when you see that little old lady in the shop and you just want to run up and give her a bunch of roses? You've got to do it. When you walk down the aisle and you, you see something and you think of your neighbour, you've got to do it. You haven't just got to think it any longer. Mm -hmm. You haven't just got to think that you're going to do it. You've got to start doing it because that's the life of Jesus inside you. Mm -hmm. Wanting to get out of you. This is the only thing that's going to win the world. Really. Mm -hmm. Jesus in you. Saying hello to people. Mm -hmm. Kissing them. Blessing them. Loving them. Mm -hmm. So, it's not only the principles of Jesus... It's the presence of Jesus. Those two things together, the principles, the presence, and the power, they all go together. You understand me? Some, some churches just like the principles. Some of the churches just like the presence. But it's got to be those things together. Because the principles really should lead us to the presence. And the presence always shows us his principles. So these things sit together. Not just inspiration, not just motivation. They're all beautiful things. But real life. Real life. Because there's no fake in real life. When people feel real life, they know it's real life. Do you understand me? Everyone outside knows when it's not authentic. They know it. They smell it a mile away. And they're all tired of it. They're all tired of it. They're tired of religiousness. They're tired of fakeness. They want real people. Just like them who know someone who's the solution. Who's a testimony of it. That's you. That's me. What does it say there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 to 12. Those were the verses that the Lord showed me. For it was God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who was shone in our hearts. He shone in your heart. He's shining in your heart right now. Just feel it. Come on, have a moment where you feel it. It says that God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, he's shining in your heart right now. No matter what you feel like, no matter. No matter. He's shining right now. Look at someone and say, I can see him shining. He's shining, Al. Al, he's shining, bro. He's shining. <laughs> Nath, he's shining, man. No matter what you feel like, He's shining. I see him. No, but really, I I know that some people as well go, oh, it's a bit cheesy, all this stuff. It's not cheesy, listen to me. You have to begin to express what's on the inside of you. You have to find a way to allow this life that's inside you to break out of you. Do you understand me? You've got to find ways to do it. Because there's a life inside you that is much bigger than yours. There's a life inside you that is much more love than you. There's someone inside you who is so powerful that things can happen that you could never explain. But somehow you've got to learn and find a way to express that life. So you need to start. You need to start. You need to stop. You know, people go, well, with English, you know, we sit there. Well, that may be true. We sit there all reverent and forget it. Forget it. It's all going. It's all going. Reverence is out. Jesus is the wildest. Person in the universe, as well as the most beautiful, gentlest, ordered, gorgeous, wonderful, articulate, creative person that there ever was. But you understand me? He's not some he's not some little rabbit. Although maybe he could be a little rabbit. If you understand me. But he ain't a little rabbit. He's wild. And some of you need to let it go. Really. Otherwise you'll get bored of yourself. No, honestly, you'll get bored of yourself. And you'll just be boring to everybody else as well. And it's not like you've got to get a life because you've got a life already. You've just got to release the life that you already got. No, listen to me. People are dying of boredom. There's millions of people in churches everywhere dying of boredom. And they're going, well, it's because I I know Jesus. No, it's not. It's because you're religious and you're not expressing the life of God in you because Jesus don't look like that. There's nothing dead about Jesus. He's fully alive, fully breathing, fully sensitive. Jesus is the person that walks past and just goes, hmm, what was that? Honestly. Jesus is like, his antenna is up all the time. He feels as you walk past him. He goes, what was that? Who touched the edge of my garment? What do you mean who touched you? There's thousands of people around you. How can you say who touched you? I just knew. I just felt it. That's what Jesus is. He's full of life. Don't you want to be like that? I tell you what, I I refuse to be with boring people. No, I'm not going to die with boring people. I are. I'm going to find the ones who are alive, who are living. Because you have fun with them. And let's face it, it's hard enough giving your life, isn't it? So you need a bit of fun as well. Huh? For it was God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who was shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Isn't it beautiful? He's given us light. That when people see this light... They know. They know. What do they know? They know the glory of God. That's what they know. They try to put the finger on it. They try to go, what was that? Why why did I like that conversation? What went on there? I I know this, I know this, this is life that I live. People, they go, what was it? I don't understand what that was, but boy, did I like that conversation. Something good just happened. What was that? That was the light of the glory of God extending through my life. It's no different for you. But you've got to find a a way to release it. Come on, kiddos, you've got to find a way to release it. No, really, I'm talking to you. 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 Just you right now. You've got to find a way to release this life. Always carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be manifested in our mortal flesh. I'm not sure that I like that. I'm not sure that I like it. But I know that it's true. You know, some of the greatest moments that I've had are the moments when literally I felt myself to be dying some of the greatest (coughs) moments that I've ever had. Really. I felt myself to be dying and the glory of God, the life of Jesus comes through in those moments in a way that is phenomenal. That I just look and go, thank you Jesus for turning up because that was spectacular. Really. This is for all of us. It's for you. I'm not saying it about me. I'm saying it for your sake. It's true of you. I am talking about you. This is beautiful. You see, and this is the journey. The journey is death to life. Everybody wants life, but there's a journey and it goes from death to life. What does that really mean? It means this. Selfishness to selflessness. Do you understand me? If you were still selfish, still the same selfish person that you were 20 years ago, then the transformational life of Jesus is not flowing in your life as it should. And you need to say, Jesus, I need to stop this selfishness and I need to start giving myself. Get yourself out of you. And give yourself away, huh? Give yourself away. That's what Jesus did. He gave himself away everywhere that he went. That's Christianity. There is no other Christianity. That's it. Do you understand me? That's it. It says, "And those who those who want to be like him should walk like he is," doesn't it? Those who call ourselves Christians are to be like he is in this world. That means that you have to give yourself away. Your life is no longer about you. Isn't that wonderful? It's no longer about you. Turn to someone and say, my life is no longer about me. And mean it. Mean it. Mean it. It's no longer about you. Oh, it's beautiful. It's about Jesus and it's about the people around you. And as you give yourself, Jesus comes and fills you up with his life. Because he gives himself to you totally. You see, then you don't have to beg, you don't have to pray, you don't have to borrow. You don't have to do any of those because Jesus sees you give in his life away and he comes and fills you up automatically. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? No more begging, borrowing or stealing. Just give your life away and he'll come to give you his own life. Beautiful. The Holy Ghost hovers over everyone like that. Huh? I just felt like singing, I'm reviewing the situation. I don't know why. <laughs> It was something to do with this movement there. (laughs) But maybe we need to review the situation, huh? We need to review our own situation. Selflessness, not selfishness. That's the life of Jesus. He gives himself everywhere. And he keeps giving himself. He's so beautiful, isn't he? I can't get over how beautiful he is. He's so wonderful. So wonderful never stops. And of course, this journey, what what happened on this journey was amazing. And I've I've had a number of these dreams where I've gone from being clattering up the side of a a mountain or, you know, hanging off the edge of a cliff or whatever it might have been, to suddenly walking through a door and being in the plushest, most beautiful hotel in the world. And everything was gold. Being in executive buses that were incredible. Being in huge meetings with people from all over the world. I never realized what, that, that dream that I had was a Richard Branson. It was many Richard Branson executive buses. And Joshua gave me, a, gave me a book a long time afterwards. And he said that Richard Branson met together with people from all over the world. And they, were, they, they, they found themselves to be elders of the world like Nelson Mandela and people that had been hugely influential, meeting together. And of course, I, I dreamt this a long time before I ever read the book. But, but I realised that the other side of death is always life. You can't give yourself and not receive life. You, you understand me? You can't, if it's in God, it's impossible to give yourself and not receive life at the same time. So, as we die, we live. As you give, you get. You receive. And that's how it is. But you go above and beyond. Do you understand me? You find yourself in a different dimension. But you can't really get in. Well, you can. And this is, this is a shocking thing about it. God's so good that he allows people. And that's what Paul said. He said, we die so that you live. That's what he said. He said, we die so you live. He didn't say, You die. He said, we, we die, so you live. And the truth is that many people live on something that is borrowed. It's not really theirs. Whatever they got, they got it because someone gave them it. But they didn't get it because it's their own. You understand me? Do you remember Isaac spoke about this in the book called The Blueprint of Life? He said, for a long time, he was borrowing from me something that he didn't have, and that's fine. But eventually, he had to receive it himself but you can only receive it as you die because then you get life. Then you can give it away. But the other side of this is above and beyond. It's going to places and dimensions that you've never been to before. It's doors that open into places that you've never been before and many of you are experiencing this to be true. I know people who were sat here 10 years ago who were not doing anything like they are doing today. And today they're doing incredible things incredible, influential things, amazing, just in a short period of time, so, you, so so, we can all look around and go, you know what, there's going to be some new spheres of life, new spheres, new dimensions of life, and that's what I looked at when I got to the headquarters there, I saw this circle of all these people who seem to be influential, now, the people that I meet, that some of those are influential. The people that you meet, some of them are many, very influential. We all meet in different people who are influent, influential in different ways. Well, that's exactly as it's meant to be. You've got a sphere that I don't have. Everyone here has got their own spheres. But as I was talking to the Lord about this, this is what he said, and I want to... I want to read some of it to you. It's Mark 3, because this is going to be a challenge for you in the coming years. Is everyone doing okay? It's been really nice so far, hasn't it? I'm really excited that it's been so nice. Um, so the circle of influence, this is number four, the circle of influence. If you want to get to this place, there's, there can be a problem. Uh, it's Mark 3 and verse 31 to 35. I wondered why I'm so hot. I've got this incredible, I've got this incredibly beautiful, nice jumper. But it's wool. So it's probably not. Thank you. Okay. So Mark 3, verse 31 to 35, it says Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him. So they were in a circle. Okay? Um, He says, And his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. You know know, one of the issues that can be a stoppage to actually living in in the purpose of God? you know what it can be? It can be your family. Now listen to me very carefully. The family of God, of course, is established by God and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Wonderful. God himself placed the family there. But although it can be a wonderful thing, it can also be a hindrance... To doing the purpose of God. Now listen to me. Jesus, at this point, is 30 years old. And he's been with his family for 30 years. So every day he's seen his family. He's been part of the community. Every day he's been with them. And I don't know what they did during those 30 years. But I presume that they did many, many things that they were meant to do. And they enjoyed doing many things that they were meant to do. But it does seem that at this point, Jesus is sat... In a circle of influence. This is his circle of influence right now. He sat there. And his mother and his brothers, so he's got four brothers and two sisters maybe? I'm not quite sure. And a mother. So that might be six or seven of them and they're outside. But Jesus knows who he is. He knows what he's called to do. He knows where he's meant to be. He knows how he's going to do what he's going to do. And he's right where he should be right now. But his, mother's, uh, his mother and his, his brothers and sister they're outside and they're causing a commotion. Because now they're demanding that Jesus should be outside with them. But listen, it was their time to be inside with him. Listen to me. It was their time to be inside with him. But they were demanding that he be outside with them. But Jesus had just given 30 years of his life. And now he's going, no, no. I know who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. And I know where I'm meant to be because for this reason, I was called. So Jesus has no qualms at all about this issue. But the family can stop you From doing what you need to do. So you need to be very careful... When you use the family as an excuse... For not doing the purpose of God. Because many people do use it... As an excuse for not to do what God wants. I'm just saying. It says, look, your mother and your brothers... Are outside seeking you. Yeah, they're seeking you. Why are they seeking you? They're seeking you to bring you out. Why weren't they inside... Why weren't they sat listening to him? Why weren't they the first that were in the house? Do you understand me? They were calling him. Creating a pressure upon him to get his attention. And he did get his attention. In fact, they so got his attention that they actually caused everybody else to be distracted. And everybody went, Jesus, your family's calling you. And he went, I know very well that they're calling me. You've been calling me a long time. But actually my will is to be doing his will, which is right here. Whew. Please understand, I love the family. I love your family. I love this family. It's wonderful. But in the end, in the end, the family releases one another. That's what it's all about. You understand me? In the end, my kids belong to God in the end you belong to God you don't belong to me really i don't possess anyone i can't control anyone you're not mine so that i can tell you what to do you have to come to this place where you know the purpose of God in your own heart and of course you've not got to use it as an excuse the other way there may be many voices calling for your attention but you have to decide which are the ones to listen to. Yes, yeah, so I, I could I could use what I've just said as an excuse not to be with my family. You understand me? I could, I could go well. I don't want to be with them. Therefore. I am doing the purpose of God. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about knowing the purpose of God and being secure in it, but also loving the family and being for the family and with the family, of course. You, you know me. I mean, I, I, I'm one of these people, I love my family. I love my family. I do everything that I can to be with them. I'll, I'll drive for miles to see my kids. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything. At Christmas, I was thinking about renting that plane that me and Steve went in and going to London and picking up Rebecca in the plane because she didn't have much time. I was going to pick her up in a plane, take her to Liverpool, pick them up, bring them all to Bradford so that we could... I was actually thinking to do that. Really. I'm, that's how much I love my family. But in the end, I have to do what I know that I'm called to do. Just as you do. <laughs> So both, both ways. But, but you're old enough and mature enough to understand, I believe, what I'm saying. You know me well enough to know what I'm saying. You hear it, don't you? You hear it, you get it. Good. There are voices that give life and supply something you don't have and then there are voices that create nothing but pressure, stress and tension and add nothing to the person that you are. Which voices are you listening to? It's time to listen to the voice, I start listening to the voice, 2019, it's a new moment, let's start listening to the voice, a multitude sitting around, they were outside because they didn't want to be inside, listen to me, they were outside because they didn't want to be inside, because they were late, because they'd been doing other more important critical things, because they had to go to the shops, because they had to buy some new clothes, because they had football practice to go to. They were outside because they didn't feel it was important enough to be inside. That's okay. Jesus understood. But that was their decision. Jesus had made his decision. And what they wanted to do was distract Jesus from the purpose of God in his own life. You understand me? but 2019 we live and die for the purpose of God I, t- I said to the Lord in Paraguay I tell you it was so warm one night it was so warm and we were in this place where we stayed we were in this little room how many there were 35 pastors there it was something that happened in the night I, I was sweating I was sweating so you know me I can sweat here, can't I? <laughs> you know I mean I sweat here, do I? I I have to go in there to get changed because I'm I'm I'm, I'm soaked through know, It was 35, I think it was 35 outside, Steve, is that right? Something like that. And I'm preaching, you know, like, giving it some. And it came to a point where actually I was sweating so much, I said to the Lord, this is what I said as I'm preaching, I said, Jesus, if I die tonight, no, really, this was true. And it wasn't funny, because to me, it was real. If I die tonight, at least I'll die doing what I know I should be doing. That's why I had to say to him. I was so exhausted on that plane, I slept through 12 hours on the plane. And, 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 and Steve said, plane, were falling out of the sky at some point. And I woke up once and I said, Lord, if I die, at least I'll be able to rest. <laughs> and I know I've done what i meant to do. I know I've done what I'm meant to do. Not really. And I went back to sleep. But, but you understand me, I... These these things for me, I know they sound funny, but for me, this is this is life. This is, this is where I'm going. And of course, you're in the house. I, I didn't make you come into the house. In fact, some people, I even tried to put them off. I, 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 sat, I sat with these two and went, do you really want to do this? Do you really want to do it? I tried to talk them out of it, because I know what it's like, didn't I? This is, this is life to me. Seeking him. But he answered them saying, who is my mother and my brothers? He looked around he went, all of you are. Beautiful. That's beautiful to know that you're in the purpose of God. And we're all going that way. You're all going that way. So sigh, it's okay. Sigh a breath of relief. We're all going that way. Okay. I remember as well, and we, 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 we didn't know how to do the little, so we did that little Donald Duck thing. That was great, wasn't it? Great. It was a great, you did well, Matt. Beautiful. Um, but there were many, many people that were going to influence. And, and we've only just started. Please, please. I know that some people here are like going, this is incredible where we are now. Believe me, this is nothing to where we're going. This is nothing to where we're going, really. You, you, you've just got to get a hold of where you're going. <coughs> compassion. This is the fifth thing, compassion. And it was very difficult to get, a, to get a, we couldn't think of a video to be able to explain what I saw... But to me, we were all doing what we were meant to do. We were praying, we were prophesying, we were proclaiming, we were were doing everything we knew to do, but people weren't getting healed as we believed that they should be. And I realised, as I looked, that I just had to go and lay alongside this woman who was dying. And as I did so, and I was close, I was really close, uncomfortably close judgment close do you understand me I, i was close so that i felt not only judged by people but i felt nearly uncomfortable myself but i realized god was saying no this is what i want you to do this is what you have to do paul in order to bring life you have to actually impart that life in a whole new way even to me that was scary but then we were thinking about it, and I just want you to go here. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I know I've, I've spent a little bit of time, but it's important, isn't it? This is a new year. It's important to, send, to spend this time. 2 Corinthians, you're doing ever so well to listen. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I, I want to tell you the story. I'm going to paraphrase the story. So there's a woman, and she's a Shumanite woman. She's a, she's a lovely, notable, faithful woman who is desperate for God. So this is the story in 2 Kings 4. She's desperate for God. And she just wants more of his life. And she sees that there is a man of God called Elisha who goes past her house every so often. And she's desperate for more of God and she realises that this man of God, she's got to get him in the house. Because it's not enough just to talk like this. She wants whatever he has got because he is heavy with the life of God. And she sees it and she wants it. She is not an Israelite. She's a Shumanite, whatever a Shumanite is. But that's what she is. And she sees him and she says, would you come to our house and have dinner? And he says, yes, of course, when I pass by, I'll come for dinner. What does it do? It costs her to lay the table and put the the chicken I was going to say pork chops, but obviously she's not going to do that. (laughs) And put the chicken on the table and and furnish the dinner for him. She, it costs her. That's what he does, it costs her. Say to someone, it costs. His life costs. It costs her to furnish the table, but she begins to receive something from him. And as she receives more and more from him, she goes, this is not enough. Now I know what I've got to do. I have got to build an extension on the house. So that when he comes by, not only does he stay for tea, because the hour that I get with him is not enough. I want a whole weekend. I want a whole weekend. Now listen, she's married. Please understand me. This is all above board. you understand me? But she's so hungry, she wants what this guy's got. And nothing's going to stop her, not even a dozy husband. And she says, we're going to build an extension on the house. So now, it's not just cause it, cause it, call causing her to spend a little bit of money now she's making an extension on the house she's putting a fifth extension on the house just for the man of God and her husband agrees to it and then one day he comes to her and he says there's a desire in your heart and she goes she didn't want to tell at first but she tells him eventually and he he says by this time in nine months this time next year you're going to have a child that's that's her desire now listen you've got desires in your heart it may not be for a child it may, be for, it may be for a child, but it may not be for a child. It may be for something else. It may be for something that you have dreamt of. You were seeing it. Now listen, this was the thing. So the prophet came along. He spoke to her. And he said, by this time next year, you're going to have your desire. And not only does she get a desire, not only is the child born. But it says the next little passage that we read, they're out in the fields. They're harvesting. Oh man. So now she's got a desire and she's actually begun to harvest from the fields so now there's something happening that is a beautiful thing do you understand me everything's coming together it looks like the desire everything's coming it's flowing to her now she's just going oh it was so worth it it was so wonderful i got the word from the man of god we did all this but look we've got the desire and now we're in the harvest it's beautiful and what happens in the middle of that harvest what happens in the middle of that harvest the desire that she had dies. That's what happens. And now she's upset. You can imagine. It's all there. You can read it yourself. I'm just paraphrasing it. And of course, her pursuit is incredible of the man of God. She goes and lays the child on a bed upstairs. So basically, she lays a desire before God. Now, listen to me, because this is where some of us are, this is where some of us have been. We've gone, we've got a desire, Lord, we've got a dream. We've started with it, we've gone with it, we've flawed with it. We began even to see a harvest, but then it's just like, man, it looks like, it looks like the devil's stealing it. It looks like it's all falling apart. It looks too difficult, this. It looks like it's dying. How could this possibly be? But you know what she did? She never stopped. Look at someone and say, I'm never gonna stop. I'm never gonna stop. What Jesus has taught me, I'm not going to leave it. I'm going to carry on with it. So now, she's, she, she, she begins to pursue the man of God. And he gets a message. or the, He gets the situation, he understands the situation. This is what he does. He sends someone. Everything that the man of God knows to do, he begins to do it. He sends a message. Then he sends a messenger. Then he says, go and take my staff and lay it on the little boy. So what's the man of god doing? The man of god's doing everything that he knows to do. He's every principle he ever learned, everything that God ever taught him, he's doing it right now and nothing is working to bring this thing back to life. Nothing. How does he bring it back to life? How does he do it? He said that he goes upstairs. So finally he gets to the house, he goes upstairs. And the child's dead on the bed. And it says that he puts his eyes against his eyes, his nose against his nose, his mouth against his mouth. And he begins to breathe his life. He begins to impart the life of God that is inside him into this child. Intimacy, vulnerability, judgment. You just imagine that situation. Do you understand me? This is about as intimate as you could get. This is exactly the vision that God gave me. This is exactly it. He'd done everything. He'd tried everything. They were doing everything that they should have been doing. Okay, take a breather. You're doing everything that you should be doing, okay? And then maybe there's some things that you need to do that you've forgotten to do. But listen, your heart's right. It's okay. Breathe now, breathe. Just breathe. The dream... You were only dreaming the dream. You only have the desire because God put it inside you before you even arrived on planet Earth. Do you understand me? Your desire and your dream, you would not even think it. You wouldn't have it if he didn't put it inside you. And some of you have already begun to see it. Some of you have begun to see the fruitfulness. But it looks to all intents and purposes like this thing could die. What have you got to do? You have got to give your life completely. It's the only thing that's going to do it. It's the only thing, whatever that means to you. You have got to impart your life in a different way to what you have done it presently. Whatever that means to you. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm only saying you've got to impart your life in a whole new way. You have got to give of yourself in a new expression, a new moment. If you want something to change, then do something different. Otherwise, it will remain the same forever. You've got to begin to do something that imparts the life that is in you to those around you, in your sphere, those people around you in your sphere. You've got to begin to impart in a different way. Because whilst we've got all the principles and we're doing all that we know to do, Jesus is going, I want my kids to give their lives to me and to one another. When they do that, miracles, real miracles are going to happen. But nothing less than that. Nothing less than that is going to do what we want to see. Nothing. Nothing. and that word of compassion of course is it is the giving of your life to another it is the intimate giving of your life to another yeah. jesus was filled with compassion and compassion flowed out of him and when compassion flowed everything around changed